Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on VoiceAmerica.com, on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and, of course, noon East Coast Time. You can also catch us Monday and Tuesday. Check your local listing. Start off with uh, Voice america.com the variety channel look up t3 and you'll see several topics that we've discussed i'm very proud of those topics but first of all i'd like to thank the listening audience uh, throughout the u.s and our international audience uh, i'm quite surprised every time i see the uh, stats come in both from the u.s audience participation and our international audience from the various countries that listen to us as a reminder to the audience and and first-time listeners the purpose of t3 program is to integrate our scientists, engineers, innovators, uh, and have a what I call a tech discussion that, that non-techies can follow. This is part of our success mo- model, and I'm very proud of that because the idea is to talk technology, but how usable is the technology that we're talking about or the inventions or the new gadgets that we'll talk about. Uh, to keep everybody involved in the T3 show, uh, you can call 866-472-5788 or email me at todaytomorrowstechnology at gmail.com. Our show today is Space, the Next Generation. And I picked this show because I, I'm quite proud of what we've been doing. In the last, uh, let's say, eight months, we've been talking about space. We've had several shows, two or three uh, shows on space. And everything that we've kind of projected out has happened. And the space community is just expanding and exploding. It's a partnership between uh, government private organizations, uh, NASA and SpaceX, Boeing, and other companies. The international community is also expanding. So the future of space and space exploration is just growing, and I'm quite uh, proud of that as we discussed that in our earlier show. Today, I'd like to focus on what specifically we're going to talk about is how will the U.S. and the world space community continue to respond to the 2020 space challenges and beyond? How is the U.S. achieving and advancing its space exploration missions for the next generation of space enthusiasts? And are the moon and Mars missions possible or even closer now that we've had the last eight months in the successful SpaceX uh, Falcon 9 launch with the uh, Dragon Crew astronauts really splashing down near Pensacola in the Gulf. And I'm very proud of that. It's quite an achievement. Uh, in fact, the exploitation of technology and the just uh, disruptive changes that is happening in space exploration has brought uh, to mankind is tremendous. Not only we're seeing new technology, but we're seeing the new business models and we're receiving the service designs for space. So all three of these disruptive technologies are coming into uh, being. Uh, I just want to reiterate, uh, if you want to catch more of our space shows, we have a number of space shows out there uh, that you can look up at uh, uh, Voice America. Dot com. Uh, go to the Variety Channel, look up T3. Uh, one of the shows is Encore, What Do We Know About Space? Second is Back to Mars. Uh, Black Friday and self-driving cars, space, why return to the moon, uh, robots in space, 
space the next frontier and how important is space. And of course, today's topic is space the next generation. And the reason I did that is because of the excitement I have and I think across the world because I think they, the um, – uh, the uh, reviews and the folks that are interested in tapping into the NASA website and the SpaceX uh, uh, um, uh, communication PR forum were just outstanding and they expanded anybody's imagination. So I think there's an enthusiasm out there, especially uh, the young kids, because uh, space is the next frontier. Well, to help me talk about space, of course, I've invited Mr. Hawks Abbott uh, to help th- talk about uh, space, space activities, and other information in space. Hawks is a former Navy aviator who's worked at NASA for many years. Uh, he's, uh, I call him a space and enthusiast. Uh, he talks about uh, space, uh, just space in, in, in general terms, but space activities, space challenges. And he's just, an, uh, I call him a space enthusiast. So Hawks, welcome to the show. Uh, let's talk about space, the next generation. What is your impression of what's happening in the last eight months? Well, I think we are um, <clears throat> entering a new age of uh, activity. Uh, once again, thank you for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I think that as we move forward here, there is certainly more interest in our solar system um, and our galaxy, the Milky Way, and how we perceive the universe around us. And as you noted, there are a number of people who are very interested in what has come forward in the last uh, little while. Specifically, one of the things that caught my eye is that there's a brand-new map of the universe out there called a 3D uh, map. It goes back 13.8 billion years, and they surveyed 2 billion galaxies and quasars for the project. It was called the Sloan Digital Sky Survey, and they did a phenomenal job of creating a map that shows exactly what our perception of the universe is right now. Well, that's a very interesting uh, study. I have not seen it or heard about it, so I'm glad you brought it up. I'm looking forward to uh, you know these space uh, activities because uh, space really becomes a force multiplier. Not only are we talking about the space elements of uh, data and satellite relays, and, and but uh, the involvement of the terrestrial elements that uh, support the space activities, and then of course uh, just uh, deep space activity with data links, uh, communication. Um, you know a lot. Of the satellites that we use. In fact, we're just now being uh, impacted by the tropical storm, uh, and so that's kind of all interesting uh, to me. As as we go forward, uh, do you think I, I have a, a strong feeling? At least in the last eight months, especially if you're a kid with aspirations or no aspirations on just engineering, uh, do you think some of those kids have been influenced by what they saw this? since May on the launch of the Falcon 9 and then, of course, the return of the uh, Crew Dragon uh, it back to uh, to Earth. What do you think about that uh, development, Hawks? Well, there's been a significant change in the way uh, the world does business with respect to getting space. Um, 
uh, and particularly going in orbit around our own Earth. Uh, and everybody seems to be extremely interested in the commercial entities getting involved. It's not just uh, Roscosmos in Russia or uh, people in the PRC, but the U.S. is... Uh, you know, jumping out with a new way of getting to space, and it is a fundamentally new for us to perceive that doesn't have to be NASA doing it. It can be a company doing it and providing a service to everybody else, including uh, space tourists, as well as each organized uh, uh I should say, group of astronauts, cosmonauts, taikonauts from the major countries who have launched into orbital space. One quick comment about the Sloan Digital uh, Sky Survey is that during this uh, survey since uh, 2000, so they've been at it for 20 years, they have mapped the Big Bang at the start of our universe, and just lately they have mapped what has been probably the last uh, billion years very well, but the middle part, let's say the 11 billion years in between, is what they finally have gotten a little bit of clarity on. And the universe did not start expanding until 6 billion years ago. So now they're finding out pieces that we never even thought were going on around us. So it's an interesting set of perceptions that we have about our universe and how it formed and how it's going to affect us as uh, travelers into the solar system and ultimately into our galaxy. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, when, when we define uh, outer space, it's really 60 miles above the planet. And then when I look at uh, the long distances that you're describing, you know, we always describe them uh, roughly in light years. And that's roughly uh, 5.8 trillion miles. Anytime I get into billions and trillions, I don't think people understand that uh, as closely as they, they should. And, of course, there's uh, at the time, and I'm going to say 88 constellations, and these have billions of stars in them. Uh, just the Milky Way alone has billions of stars. So you think about 88 constellations. It's, it's amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, the mapping of the universe uh, because it's going to be interesting as we continue to explore. Um, as I said, uh, the net, there's been a partnership between the government and commercial entities. Uh, in fact, that all started by NASA initial four phases in uh, in 2010 on the commercial crew uh, development uh, program, and that's where NASA really exploited and then trying to bring in new ideas, new technologies, new way of doing business. And 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 when you think about it, 2010, that's uh, that's the partnership, but also read, you know, Falcon X uh, and some of these space pioneers and these commercial ventures have been working on the space endeavor in in almost 2000. So it's been about 20 years in this development process to move our space capacity even forward. But the most exciting part is, of course, you know, we've got the rovers uh, being launched uh, right now. Uh, Providence uh, just launched uh, for its uh, 
or I should say uh, Perseverance rover just launched for Mars uh, just recently, and it will be arrive in February 20, uh, uh, 2021, which is about six to seven months from now. It's interesting. That's over 300 million, 314 million miles uh, just to get there. And and right now, because in August, the, the Earth and, and, and Mars are at the closest point point, you'll have several other uh, launches in, uh, uh, into Mars. Uh, the Chinese are getting ready to launch uh, another probe into Mars. And those kind of thing, activities are increasing. So this commercial government space partnership continues to grow. And I'm looking forward for our continued success as we continue to launch crew members uh, to the International Space Station, eventually setting that up, and then within a couple of years headed to the moon to set up a moon landing and then from there move on to Mars in by 2024. Any comments on any of that? Uh, those discussions there, Hawks? Well, the build-up uh, was started, as you just previously mentioned, by uh, a nine crew returning from the International Space Station, um, both astronauts Bacon and Hurley. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that came back after a two-month stay on ISS, but it was very. They were showing the future technology of a new spacecraft um, uh, with a little bit of old methodology of uh, parachuting back into the ocean uh, upon their return. But it shows a new way of not only getting to orbit. Uh, via the Falcon 9 and the commercial process, but they are showing the preparation for going back to the moon and on to Mars. Um, uh, along with the Perseverance launch, this is uh, on the order of um, a new capability to uh, examine more of Mars so we know what we're going to get into by the time we get there. Um, the preparation of what perseverance and opportunity and so on have discovered uh, on the surface of, the, uh, of Mars is amazing to how we get prepared to actually go there and to establish the ability to deal with uh, uh, lower gravity, with the absence of, of mostly a, a non-atmosphere the working in extremely cold, minus 80 uh, degrees uh, Fahrenheit uh, temperature, and we'll do that by preparing activities on the moon that will help us learn how to make a, um, how should I say, a, uh, a establishment of a facility on the moon that prepares us for building those facilities on Mars once we get there. I think one of the most important points you said is that uh, the space exploration is really a body of knowledge that's built up. Uh, let's just take Perseverance, and you mentioned some of the other rovers, but the the uh, in '97 uh, when we launched the uh, uh, Sojourner rover 
rover in 97. I mean, its process was really just to uh, take samples of the uh, of the of the Mars, and uh, and then eventually uh, send back the pictures of Mars. But it was a very you know kind of like a microwave. It was a, a microbial life discovery uh, for them. And then the next uh, twin rovers were Spirit and Opportunity in 2004, uh, and that was of course followed by uh, Opportunity. Uh, and Opportunity really lasted 15 years, drove 28 miles. So there you are. You have these uh, rovers that have been uh, really le- uh, uh, establishing or developing the body of knowledge needed uh, for Perseverance to continue its work. And Perseverance is, uh, you know, larger than uh, most of the. Uh, it's a, a car, and and, uh, and a valuable asset is uh, the first time launch of a UAV, unmanned aerial vehicle, and they're trying to test that. So that'll be a test launch. They're planning to have uh, five flights uh, around the, the valley there. And so per- Perseverance will, of course, uh, um, drop it off uh, into its little landing zone and then uh, and move away so it has a safe distance so it can do its uh, its uh, maneuvering in, in, in on, the, uh, on Mars. But what's really interesting, of course, is the density of the air. It's not like the Earth. Uh, and so that's going to be a very interesting uh, flight profile and a very good experiment as we continue to discover a little bit more about Mars. But the bottom line is what you said, uh, Hawks. It's the body of knowledge and the uh, information and knowledge and data that we gain or receive so that we can continue to advance the progress in space. We've got about a minute left there, Hawks. Uh, give me a quick wrap-up of what do you think we're headed. Well, I, I honestly think that we're headed back to the moon to the capability so that we can establish a uh, uh, a post uh, uh, how should I encampment process that not only works on the moon but it also works for Mars uh, because there are many things uh, the regolith problem the the uh, uh, dust problem the lack of one uh, G uh, in your micro G uh, most of the time is you not only uh, work on the surface of the moon uh, with one six g you're going to have about three h g on uh, Mars, but you have to be able to work in those environments to be able to establish the encampment and uh, that's what we're looking to and safely, such as one thing that's just come up is that there's uh, uh, the radiation problem uh, for Mars is going to be uh, acute. And how do they solve it? Is it a, is it a, a cream that you put on right. the, um, the well, surface of your skin to protect it and so on? Hold Over. back thought there, uh, Hawks. We'll talk about it in the next segment. Uh, folks, we're talking about space, the next generation. It's a new opportunity, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. 
Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Saturday morning, listen for the Superstar Sports Talk Block on Voice America Variety. We've got the best programs. If you want to talk football, hunting, outdoors, racing, and more, the weekends belong to sports. And you'll find it every Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear from the players, owners, experts, and fans from around the world. It's the Saturday Superstar Sports Talk Block. Wow, that's a mouthful. And it's only on the Voice America Variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you are listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. We've been talking about space, the next generation. And my guest is uh, Hawks Abbott, a former Navy aviator and really a space enthusiast. I always bring Hawks on because of his uh, knowledge of space, his activities in NASA, and his enthusiasm uh, that challenged us on understanding the space uh, environment. Hawks, it's been a, a great eight months uh, for the U.S. and uh, for the commercial industry, uh, government, private, government uh uh, collaboration of uh, the launch of the Falcon 9 on May 30th, and then of course the return of the crew uh, on the Crew Dragon, uh, Dragon Crew uh, on the 2nd of August has been fantastic. In fact, that was the first splashdown since Apollo, uh, I believe, uh, in many many years in a water environment near Pensacola. Any comments or any uh, memories uh, as you looked onto the, the launch and also the return of the uh, uh, SpaceX Dragon capsule? Yeah, I, I have to admit, uh, some of my uh, buddies from the Apollo days, including uh, uh, General Tom Stafford, uh, uh, made a comment. He says, by gosh, they're doing it right again. <laughs> uh, when I talked to him, he was delighted to see both Bacon and Hurley return safely. Uh, and he said it was a wonderful seeing the parachutes pop open and uh, float to the ground. And uh, uh, he even made a comment about uh, the, uh, the commercial aspect coming forward, and he says if they keep doing it well, uh, we'll have a proliferation of abilities to go to orbit around the Earth and uh, get back to the moon and start doing real things. Uh, he uh, 
put forward his expression that uh, we've waited way too long. We should have done this 30 or 40 years ago. We never had a replacement, and we didn't look long-term after the space shuttle. I mean, I think we were surprised, uh, you know, the Challenger explosion, uh, the return of the other space shuttle. Uh, I don't remember the name of it uh, in that catastrophe. Columbia. Columbia. and yeah, Columbia. Uh, Columbia was lost. Yes, uh, those two incidents just uh, curtailed the life of the space shuttle, and and we weren't ready. I remember being in the Pentagon when we left uh, uh, the the rocket uh, Apollo program, went into the uh, uh, you know the spacecraft, uh, and, and that argument right there. But I think this is back, and and I I do believe the uh, cooperation established by NASA, the U.S. government, and the commercial partners out there. I mean. When you think about it, we've had three major uh, aerospace companies, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. And then, of course, there's other aerospace companies that w- were propelled to the forefront uh, from Aerojet, Rocket, Rocketdyne, which is the rocket engines, Ball Aerospace, which is spacecraft and instrument, Harris, uh, of course, which is spacecraft instrument, International Launch Services. Uh, you had Raytheon, Sierra Nevada, and, of course, SpaceX. And I think SpaceX is... Their their strategy, uh, both for establishing a rocket like Falcon 9, and then eventually the next uh, rocket that they're building here uh, is going to be cri- critical. They've been uh, doing uh, uh, you know experiments and 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 also flight crews to the International Space Station as far as delivering cargo, and then of course they're working on a, uh, a lunar lander uh, with NASA. So they've got three prongs into space and and you keep hearing about it because I think they're progressing on their strategy everybody else is a little bit uh, delayed but that's that's interesting uh, to me to find out uh, you know the intensity uh, that SpaceX has provided uh, to the world and and especially the US um, business in space any comments on that well there are several aspects of uh, getting to orbit that we need to look at. And certainly uh, Elon Musk saying he wants a million metric shots going to orbit, whether it's a Falcon 9 or returning with the Dragon uh, Endeavor spacecraft. Um, He's looking at the long-term business situation for going to Mars. And he's, well, we've got to start figuring out newer methods for getting stuff to orbit and staging it there, both for the moon and onto Mars. Uh, There are all kinds of issues at hand. And I mentioned one uh, earlier was there's a new uh, effort for a sunscreen to protect protect, um, uh, Mars astronauts uh, from all the radiation that they will occur not only in their trip to Mars, but once on the surface of Mars. Um, so the the uh, 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 the ability to not only go but to habitate a different locale within our solar system is going to need a lot of consideration for the ability of humans to survive there. And so that's the other piece. Uh, not only to get orbit, 
to get to where you want to go, but to be able to survive safely uh, is the uh, process that we're looking at now and certainly have had great advances in the last 30 years. It is a competition of we've heard of Boeing and, of course, uh, their spacecraft or, uh, and rocket launch. Uh, but SpaceX is moving out on the next uh, generation of rockets, uh, the SpaceX Starship, which is going to be reusable. I mean, their co- entire concept is reusing this uh, capability, whether it's the rocket launching the capsule or the Dragon crew coming back and being reused. Uh, that Their entire process is how do we take this new technology – new development and uh, and reuse it versus just a one-time use. I think that's a, a critical, and I look at the uh, Dragon's uh, uh, capability, you know, to launch about 13,000 pounds just in the crew compartment uh, that, the, uh, that it carries, and it can carry up to five, I believe, astronauts in, in the uh, crew compartment. The next launch, uh, I think it's Crew 2, uh, we'll have four passengers in that, and they will. Uh, and it's the first operational mission. You got crew one as the first operational mission, and followed by crew two. So uh, it's going to be interesting as they go into the uh, 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 fly up to the International Space Station, do their uh, uh, experiments, do their checkouts. And, and the whole process is how do I get to the moon in that long distance? We talked about uh, Perseverance earlier, uh, you know, just launched here in August, uh, six or seven months to Mars. That that distance is such a long distance where it's about three days to the moons. Uh, we've got to understand that dynamics. It's been a long time, as uh, your buddy said, uh, to capture the uh, the knowledge and return to those days that we are confident that we can launch uh, folks into space and for a long journey. Uh, the the flight to, uh, to the moon and to Mars is going to be extremely challenging as we progress down that path. Any comments on uh, returning back to the moon? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, the sooner we get back there and start establishment of an encampment uh, to uh, study how we're going to move regolith, uh, uh, develop living places and research facilities, uh, develop uh, for panels that will be viable on the surface of the moon for all the energy that they're going to need uh, to uh, <clears throat> not only survive and habitate, but to be able to take advantage of, of uh, all that solar energy and be able to store it and use it and use it for the construction and uh, uh, of vehicles, uh, the construction of uh, 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 utterly factories on the moon that will uh, uh, be able to put together pieces that will be used for spacecraft going to Mars. And maybe even look at Buzz Aldrin's idea for a cycler of six spacecraft going to Mars in a continuous rotation so that you have resupply to Mars as well as uh, from the Earth but from the Moon uh, as a, a stocking point for materials that will be needed for Mars uh, colonization. Yeah, you know, when I look at the uh, discussions we've had in about the 50, 
protein technologies needed uh, from propulsion to uh, habitats uh, on the moon and the ability to uh, take the long voyage and that uh, relaxation to ensure that the uh, human is uh, safe, uh, that is going to be a challenging feat. And of course, all those experiments and the opportunities that they've had on the International Space Station will continue to advance this future uh, development. And I, I, you know, we're talking within a couple years now uh, to the moon. We're talking less than four years uh, uh, to Mars. So uh, time is moving along and uh, people are accelerating and it's going to be exciting to me as we watch the uh, the moon and Mars uh, launches uh, as we continue to explore s- space. But we can't forget about those space robots and rovers and, and those uh, uh, other I, uh, uh, robots that are out there exploring the galaxy. I mean, it's it's quite interesting as I look at it. One of our best shows was uh, Robots in Space, uh, and when we talked about of the various uh, robots and uh, drones that are out there uh, doing a a great uh, collection of knowledge, really, uh, about our galaxy. And I think that's also important as we continue to grow. uh, Any comments on our space robots and what they're doing, uh, Hawks? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, I just... Uh, It gave you the example of the survey that was accomplished for this 3D model of the universe back 13.8 billion years. Um, All the, uh, how should I say, uh, observatories, telescopes, both on the Earth and in space provided that data to complete that survey and that... uh, 13.8 billion year look at our universe that was comprised over the last 20 years. So all those different spacecraft, including the telescopes in uh, in orbit um, around Earth on ground, i.e., for example, Hubble Space Telescope provided uh, several of the uh, capabilities that were used by other spacecraft to look at the right direction, giving us that was needed to complete the survey. Um, so there's, a, and once established our encampment back on the moon, there's radio astronomy that wants to be placed on the far side of the moon to look out into the universe with better clarity and sensitivity uh, to establish not only an RF look at the universe, which will be combined with the the other surveys, but give us a more complete picture of that interim of 11 billion years that we didn't know anything about before we discovered dark matter and dark energy. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just looking uh, at our previous show when we talked about advanced technology. You know, NASA is really looking at a comprehensive spectrum of technology. Uh, We talked a little bit about advances in space propulsion, autonomous systems and avionics. We talked about cryogenic uh, propellant 
propellant uh, storage and transfer. We talk about uh, entry, descent, and landing technology that is needed, especially uh, when you talk about perseverance. Uh, they talk about the uh, seven minutes of uh, chaos because there's no communication. That that particular uh, rover has to land automatically uh, by itself without any uh, human interactions of that. So that uh, that entry, descent, and landing technology is critical. The extracurricular uh, activity technology with uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, unmanned aerial vehicle, the high efficiency of the space power systems because right now we're using a lot of uh, we're using uh, both solar and on the uh, Perseverance they have a little uh, uh, mini nuclear uh, uh, fuel system that's there. The human robotic system, robotics going to continue to to increase um, lightweight uh, space materials. So all this technology discovery really uh, not only helps the space activity, but indirectly will help us. Uh, We've got about three minutes left. Uh, Hawks, is there a topic that I've not mentioned that you would like to talk a little bit about for a couple minutes? Well, uh, one of the things that I stressed uh, earlier in our conversation was the ability to get things to orbit uh, uh, and to support the the going back to the moon and uh, ultimately going to Mars. And the newest, uh, uh, how should I say, the newest consideration for a way of getting massive amounts of material up off the surface of the Earth is by a space elevator. Um, these ideas been been around since the early 90s. I became aware of it in 1991 down at Johnson Space Center with Dr. Uh, Peter Swan and Dr. Kathy Swan, who have been working on a project uh, called the Space Elevator. And this is an incredible idea of, about how to get um, large uh, amounts large, massive amounts of materials up to orbit to support going back to the moon and on to Mars. And uh, this elevator uh, would have uh, an emplacement on the surface of the Earth with a cable running up uh, to certain uh, altitudes above the Earth. And, and uh, uh, this capability is based on uh, scientific fact on how we could move tons of material up and down this, uh, I should say, cable, thread, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, that stretches out 300 nautical miles up into uh, space and into orbit and deliver uh, huge amounts of uh, uh, space material that we need for comprising and building uh, on orbit. Uh, So uh, this is certainly a new interesting thing that is going to uh, moving forward, and uh, even Elon Musk has been interested in it because of his requirement of one, bill, one million metric tons of supplies delivered to a colony on Mars. That's what he says he needs. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge there, the space elevator. That's going to be an interesting topic. Let's, uh, let me uh, pursue that at our, at our next radio show when we talk about space and come up with a little bit more details on that. Folks, we're talking today, Space, the Next Generation. My guest is Hawks Abbott. 
And we've been talking about uh, just space exploration, both in the technology, uh, the the launch of uh, Falcon 9, the return of the uh, Dragon Crew capsule, and just exciting time for the U.S. in uh, launching uh, space activities with the uh, uh, Perseverance uh, rover uh, headed to Mars. And we'll be right back to talk about other technologies in a few minutes. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, to T3 Show, our third segment. Uh, today's discussion is Space, the Next Generation. My guest today is Bruce Abbott. Uh, Hawks Abbott, as I finally call him, uh, he's a Navy aviator. Worked at NASA. has uh, is a leading mastermind thinking about space, space activities, space challenges. And Hawks, uh, during the first two segments, we talked about uh, perseverance. We talked about Falcon Nine, the commercialization and partnership between NASA and private companies. We talked. We named a few companies that are out there as far as uh, dealing with space. That entire process is exploding both. Both from a technology perspective, from a model perspective, and a business adventure, uh, space is uh, is is the next frontier. I'm excited because I think uh, you know the the folks sitting on the sideline looking at that and, and and dreaming. I mean, there's you know this this generation now has the opportunity to go to space and push the space boundaries even further. So I'm c- quite excited. Can you tell me a little bit more of? Uh, um, how does a person become a NASA astronaut or an astronaut, period? 
Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I've watched the process, uh, oh my gosh, all the way back to the uh, uh, Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo days with the different people I've met within the community uh, of astronauts. And uh, one thing about them is technical knowledge about uh, um, aerospace uh, problems and how they developed into, uh, how should I say, operational people to go into space um, and how they perceived the world around them with all the scientists and engineers helping them out. Um, the application process uh, uh, was driven by people who want to go do things first that have never been done before. And that seems to be an inherent model for all those astronauts uh, about going and being the first of anything. Uh, the Shepard's disappointment uh, when he didn't get to be the first person to go into space, uh, Gagarin beat him by a month. Uh, and, and subsequent people who have done the first things, like uh, Alexei Lanoff in the first EVA, and uh, the American Ed White doing his uh, first American EVA, and then the first woman in space with uh, um, uh, Valentina Tereshkova. Uh, and then ultimately, those people who did uh, uh, different things, like Bruce McCandless, the first untethered EVA, um, the Catherine Sullivan, the first EVA by um, a woman from the United States, or... Um, uh, Sovetskaya, who was the first woman to do an EVA for Russia. All these things point to people who want to do things first. And that seems to be one of the prime ingredients of all those uh, different astronauts that I've observed through the years to do things that nobody else has done and to do them first. And so how do you prepare yourself for that educationally? Uh, uh, like multiple astronauts, cosmonauts, taikonauts, they all have, uh, you know, master's degrees or PhDs, or maybe they were test pilots who became um, uh, spacecraft commanders and pilots. Uh, so all of these people uh, had dreams about doing things first. And so the uh, process that they went through, the interviews they did with uh, NASA, and how positive they were about their process. And this is going to change in the next uh, 20, 30 years because we're talking about longer missions, both on the moon and certainly going to Mars and back will be an extremely extensive period of time. And so they're going to have to be looking at people who not only can go do and be first, but be uh, challenged by the extensive length, uh, length of things. Um, so that's why, in fact, here in the U.S., they looked at the submarine community who would go away for, you know, six months, eight months, ten months underwater and not come back and and uh, and be safe and their job. So they were uh, how the community was looked at for a long time. 
Yeah, that's quite a feat. I, I just think the education, if you have a dream, uh, follow your dream. Uh, doing a little research as you were talking, I was looking at uh, SpaceX, uh, you know, Space Exploration Technology Corporation. It was really founded in 20, 2002. So here we are, 20, 20, 18 years it took them to develop. And as I said earlier, their their focus was on reusable activities, reusable rockets, reusable capsule, and they've really made a name for themselves. Also, you've got... Uh, I'm looking at the schedule here uh, for uh, for August or the uh, August September for NASA launches, and you've got the uh, you know the Russian Soyuz rocket being uh, launching a Glasnost K na- navigation satellite here on the 6th of August uh, from uh, Pesetsk, uh, Russia, and the next Falcon 9 rocket, uh, uh, the ninth batch of approximately 60 operational satellite to improve broadband across the uh, the world or to provide broadband band across the world. You also have the Aryan Space Vega rocket. So you have the Delta IV heavy rocket from the United Launch Alliance is getting ready to launch here on the 26th of uh, August. So lots of activities. And don't forget about the Chinese that are launching their uh, ro- um, uh, rover into space here uh, uh, very soon towards the end of August as well, because they're interested in discovering uh, a little bit more. So you've got the Long March 5B rocket launching. Uh, this is a human-related uh, uh, new capsule. Uh, it's going to be in a test flight. You got a rover going on uh, with the Chinese, and so there's a lot of lots of activities, but both from a U.S. perspective and an international perspective, and several launches from uh, which surprised me uh, from uh, New Guinea. Um, and let me uh, uh, see if I can correct myself. Yeah, Gu- Guinea Space Center. Uh, 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 and uh, Kourou, French Guiana. So that has, uh, I remember the uh, 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 cell phones uh, or uh, sat phones that were Iridium uh, were launched from that. Uh, those satellites were launched from that space uh, uh, launch site. So lots of activities going on. There's an opportunity for us to immerse ourselves into space activities. But you got to remember the purposes, of course, the satellites, uh, both in observation, communication, navigation, weather, uh, the space telescopes, and of course the International Space Station that we're gaining lots of the information here. As we move forward, uh, Hawks, uh, uh, tell me a story of one of your space pioneers out there uh, as we continue to develop his uh, understanding of what we're doing in space. Well, uh, one of the space pioneers that I affectionately knew very well was Alan Bean, who uh, turned out to be one of the best and and, uh, most accomplished space artists uh, about going to the moon uh, and and, uh, being part of a a, uh, space uh, crew as well. Um, One of his stories was uh, that his first flight was on Apollo 12 with um, Pete Conrad and Dick Gordon, uh, as they launched to the moon, uh, he said, look, that's a, this was my first flight. I didn't get any Gemini flights. And so here I am going from 1G to micro G as we transported ourselves to the moon and then uh, landing on the moon. And Pete Conrad did a wonderful job getting it down next to uh, um, the, the uh, satellite uh, 
uh, rover robot on the surface called Surveyor, and they landed quite close to it. And uh, after Conrad got out onto the surface, uh, Alan Bean was coming down the ladder and put his foot on the pad of the uh, spacecraft, Intrepid, and he said, you got to realize my stomach's upside down. And he's explaining this to a bunch of uh, naval uh, plebes at the uh, Naval Academy in Annapolis. He said, okay, I've been in space for a total of four days, and uh, I'm getting ready to stop, uh, step off onto the surface of, of the moon. Uh, my stomach's upside down. I've gone from microgravity to 1,6G. Uh, I sweated my, uh, took us off getting this uh, spacesuit on, and here I am getting ready to step out onto the surface of the moon. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether I should let go of the limb first or step and put my foot out there to make sure it's going to hold me and, and be solid. But, there are always the little things that are very human about astronauts that are wonderful to hear uh, their explanation. He said, uh, uh, do you think I was a little bit nervous? Yeah, I was nervous. But being here was, uh, and being one of the first people to do this was absolutely amazing. So that's one of the stories that through the years I appreciated and and particularly Alan Bean was just one wonderful human being. And I'm sorry to see that he has passed on. Yeah, that's uh, interesting as uh, they tell the stories and, and the opportunities. As I continue my uh, research, and we talked about satellites, there's about uh, 2,200 satellites orbiting Earth. And as I said, there's cooperation between government and private industries. But just alone, uh, they're, they're expecting tens of thousands of satellites up there. In fact, uh, uh, when I look at the uh, Starlink adventure that Edmund uh, Musk is trying to do, he's he already has has about uh, uh, 240-something uh, satellites up there. And the goal is to get 1,000 more launches uh, by the end of the year, and the company hopes to put 42,000 satellites for its Starlink internet system. So that remember, I talked a little bit about that in the second segment. And then, uh, you know, you've got uh, other companies that are looking at uh, about 3,000 uh, satellites because uh, Amazon is trying to create a space internet system as well, and, and it's Project Coopier. Uh, so a lot of activities happening in space, and it's going to be crowded. And uh, uh, I guess more anything else is the uh, is uh, space debris. Can you talk about a little bit about the space debris out there, Hawks? Well, it's obviously a big concern. Um, uh, Iridium uh, collided with Cosmos back in... Uh, I think it was uh, somewhere between 2004 and 2006, and uh, it proved to we all, we never thought two orbiting bodies would collide, but uh, yeah, they did, uh, and it produced uh, uh, many many pieces uh, traveling at Mach 20 that could endanger other uh, spacecraft. And we certainly have to uh, deal with the um, debris that have in orbit at various layers. And, and uh, that has to be taken up so we can continue to be safe and operate in uh, near-Earth orbit. Uh, um, 
that, that problem has to be solved. There are several uh, countries looking at it uh, to help solve the problem. And it would also be good if able to clean up some of the regions, uh, some of the layers of where most of the debris is, and we could reuse those materials as well. Perhaps even take them to the new moon and refabricate on the moon with the factories we want to build there. Right, and as I continue talking, we've got about 30 seconds left, so first of all, Hawks, I'd like to thank you for uh, for being on the show today and giving us your insights into space. It's been a interesting uh, uh, topic uh, for us at T3, uh, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, uh, because we've been uh, influenced by space and the space pioneers a lot. I'd like to shout out to Dee Daniels, my executive producer, and of course, my executive assistant, Alexander Loreno. And just to recap, folks, there, there are plans to be about 50,000 satellites uh, in, in Earth orbit in the next decade. So I, uh, the space debris and just the congestion in space is really critical. But until our next show, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Thank Hawks once more for uh, uh, giving us his uh, insights into space and uh, enjoy the weekend and, and have fun until our next technology show. Take care. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.